Welcome to At The Source. This is the first in what will hopefully be a mini-series around coronavirus and food. In this episode, we talked about everything from how coronavirus is affecting independent food businesses through to the environment, panic buying at the supermarkets and how it's important to shop local. We also discussed how important mutual aid is right now and all of the great work that a lot of independents are doing up and down the country to help support each other and shoppers. Unfortunately, we had a few technical issues given that this was the first time we've ever tried to record remotely with not one, not two, but three guests all in different parts of the country. And as you'll hear when you start listening, we did lose Nina halfway through. It's a real shame because she had some absolutely fantastic points to make about shopping local, perhaps thinking outside the box, not just going to your local supermarkets, but trying your local Asian supermarkets and even the corner shops as a place to find all of those essentials that the big chain retailers are running out of. She also had some really nice points to make about the environment. I just wanted to say thanks, Nina, for those. And I'm so sorry that we can't share them with the listeners today. So now, without further ado, I'll hand over to myself and my guests for the first in this coronavirus and food series. Welcome to At The Source. The date is 20th of March, 2020. This is going to be a little bit different from our usual format. It's an experiment and it might not work, but I wanted to give it a try. So it's just me, Alex, sat in my house with some people sat in their houses, which feels very much like what the rest of the world is probably doing right now too. And we're going to be talking about the current situation with coronavirus and what it means to them their work and their everyday lives. A few days ago, I put the call out on social media and I've been absolutely flooded with people in and around the food and drink industry who want to share their stories. So that's what I'm going to do. I want At The Source to be a place for people to share these stories in this storm that we're all experiencing all over the world and to document our lives in this pretty scary time, basically. So before I introduce the three guests that I have with me, um, I wanted to give a little update. So as of 9am this morning, there were just shy of 4,000 confirmed positive coronavirus cases in the UK. And as of 1pm today, 177 deaths. Globally, the death toll has passed 11,000 with confirmed cases over 260,000. And on that positive note, I will introduce my three guests. So I have Nina Pullman with us, uh, editor of Wicked Leaks magazine, which is produced by Riverford Organic Farms. Hi, Nina. Hi, Alex. I have Ronan Vivian Byrne, who is a vegan home cook in Bristol. Hey, Ronan. Hi, Alex. And I have Alex Cook, who is owner of Pink Peppercorn Food Co., uh, who serve modern Welsh food through their award-winning street food, pop-ups and private catering events. Hi, Alex. Hi, Alex. So the point of this series is to get under the skin about how coronavirus is affecting um, specifically food, because obviously that's what we talk about. Um, A lot of the country is now working from home and self-isolating. And today we found out that the government has now officially told restaurants, bars and gyms to close. So first of all, I'm going to go straight to you, Alex. How has this affected Pink Peppercorn and and, um, how are you doing? Um, I'm, I'm personally, I'm doing okay. Um, the business, it's hard to really foresee what's going to happen over the next couple of months. We've obviously had to cancel a lot of our supper clubs, um, and public events and a lot of our guests this year for wedding catering are postponing until next year when possible. Um, so it's all a little bit up in the air at the minute. It's kind of quite scary when you think that 
there isn't necessarily an end date, I guess, you know, people are cancelling things and it's not really, I think the problem is not knowing when those cancellations might stop and when things might start up again. I really feel for you. Yeah. And the, the situation just seems to develop kind of like an hour by hour, day by day over the last week or so. Um, and it's yeah, obviously just really hard to gauge. Um, we, kind of took an action to cancel our supper clubs um, early last week um, as a sort of a preemptive measure. I know other people that run restaurants and bars and cafes and stuff might not be in a a fortunate position um, and and good on them for staying open as much as they could through the the government guidelines um, to make sure that people people are being paid and people can afford to, to take some money home and feed their families. Yeah, of course. Um, and obviously now today the government has announced that these places will close. Um, I mean, it seems to me like there's, especially in Bristol and Row. I know you're in Bristol as well. Um, probably yeah. literally just down the road, actually, aren't you from me? Yeah, not too um, far. A lot of restaurants here in the city have started doing takeaway as a kind of way to keep their business running. Um, but yeah. actually the thing I wanted to talk to you about, Row, was you're a keen, a keen home cook and there's obviously been a lot on the news about panic buying and, and people going to the supermarket and just stealing all the pasta and all the tin tomatoes. And Mm. how have you coped as someone who is quite a keen home cook? Have you been out panic buying or are you, have you got any other systems (laughs) that you've put in place? Well, I think, I think one of the things about panic buying is that nobody admits it in themselves, is it? You're just... I'm just stocking up, making sensible precautions. The other people buying pa- eight packs of pasta and 20 tins of tomatoes, those are the panic buyers. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, we, um, we went, we were kind of very relaxed about it. Um, and kind of thought, ah, we'll, we'll wait it out. The panic buying will stop and then we'll waltz in and pick everything up, which of course is not the case. We went to, our local supermarket and found that the shelves were completely empty and even smug me who thought, Oh, I'll be able to make my own bread and pasta and pizza or whatever, because I've learned how to do that. Found that even the flour is all gone and the tins of everything is all gone. So we had to get a little bit creative. Um, so we've, we've developed a full spreadsheet of all of the food we could find in our cupboards, (laughs) um, listed by, how long it's likely to last, how many portions we have, and then potential meal ideas that we could make from them. And we were kind of very impressed with ourselves and thought, hey, we're doing great. We've got about 100 portions of food that are shelf-stable and will last us weeks. And we realized that between two people, that's that's barely two weeks of two meals a day. Especially um, when you think you're working from home as well and you're, you're eating, you know, lunches that you might have had out or have been going to restaurants or cafes or bars for that you're now having to cook at home. Exactly. Yeah. I guess it's quite scary. Um, also quite leads quite nicely into Nina, um, who has been sat very quietly at the other end. (laughs) Nina works for Riverford who are, if, if you guys don't know, an organic food delivery service. And I guess I I particularly want to talk to you, Nina, about Wicked Leaks. But before we get onto that, have you found that people are kind of panic buying their organic veg boxes or have you been continuing as as normal? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's um, 
it's been a bit crazy, actually. I mean, just for a bit of context, WikiLeaks is, is published by Riverford and, and based on the farm. We're very much part of the team and, and have been there up until I think I we all got sent home Wednesday afternoon, I think, if we could work from home. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it feels like a, a long time ago now. But at the start of the week, um, what, what kind of started out was we, we came in on Monday to hear news of this kind of unprecedented demand over the weekend. Um, uh, yeah, Riverford Vegbox is kind of in demand really from their um, existing customer base who, yeah, I guess panic buying. Um, just just been a bit crazy to the point where we had to actually um, stop taking orders and also close the website to any new customers at all, which is, I don't think ever happened in 30 years of the mm. company going. Um, and it did come from the existing customer base as well. So a lot of people order from Riverford sort of once every two weeks or once a month yeah. or occasionally. And they, they are registered as customers, but they don't normally shop weekly. And, and they've all, you know, from now sort of gone to a weekly order. And as well as that, um, those who were ordering weekly are adding more to their order. So and we've got a limited capacity in terms of how much we can pack and how much we can deliver. So it just kind of happened overnight almost that we were at capacity last weekend. And then ever since then, we've just been sort of putting in really last minute because um, there's no preparation. Obviously, everybody's in the same mm-hmm. boat. Um, it's the kind of demand that you'd see around Christmas, I guess. But we normally have sort of a six month run up to that in terms of, you know, getting all the, the pack house ready and prepping all the sort of processes in, in place to get the boxes out. So it's been sort of a real um, rapidly changing situation as it has for everyone. Um, but at the same time, trying to get out the boxes to people who have ordered them. And yeah very crazy. I think that's the thing, isn't it? That it's been, it's been so rapid and, and also kind of the extremes. So you've got Riverford having this amount, this huge amount of demand that they've never really experienced at this time of year. You've got the supermarkets with the empty shelves, but then you've got the the food businesses like Alex and Pink Peppercorn, where it's the opposite. Yeah. And mm. it's, it's just really hard, I think, for us to get our heads around mm-hmm. the fact that some of you are too busy and over capacity and having to switch your orders off, whereas others are left with, you know, empty shops, mm. um, having to cancel events. And it's just, it's just madness. And again, I said at the start, I'm not really sure what the point of this podcast is other than just for us to be able to, to talk about it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think it's been quite a, a, as you say, sort of rapidly changing situation this week, but then even towards the end of this week, like today and yesterday, I've sort of been seeing, um, stories online about um the food industry sort of helping each other out and coming together and it's it's kind of unprecedented in a way i mean it is a very friendly industry and people are always willing to help especially fresh produce which is kind of the background that i had in in journalism and you know it's not unusual but it's just on a whole new level like people sort of actively reaching out and i know like at riverford we in talks to, you know, we're, we're actually fine in terms of staff at the moment um, because we're, we're employee owned and there's kind of a culture of pitching in. So it's weird because like half the business is really maxed out and then um, like custom services are inundated. The pack house is, is running at full tilt and then marketing and sales. Obviously, we can't do any promotion because we, we can't take any orders. So we've got mm. sales teams driving vans. We've got our restaurant staff kind of helping pack boxes. We've got marketing and custom services. So but then I, I think that the idea is if we do become short due to illness or self-isolation, um, 
hopefully going to be able to work with sort of local businesses who have had to lay staff off and, and kind of fill that gap by bringing them in um, if, if it comes to that. So hopefully there'll be sort of a linking up of businesses, I think. That's fantastic. Alex, have you seen anything like that happening over in Wales? Yes, I think one of the... Um... So a little bit, our, our background, um, the food that we serve is all based around availability of seasonal local organic veg um, and produce. And one of the silver linings that will is coming and will come from this is maybe a, a larger realization um, on how we are dependent as a, as a country um, and as communities on the importing of, of in particular, veg. Um, mm-hmm. so hopefully, and there's community projects and, and it's, and the other silver lining again is, is that people seem to be now that they have the time, um, to be connecting through support groups on very micro levels, um, very small town, Glandila, we're based in Carmarthenshire, um, and they've organized a street by street list of volunteers, um, getting leaflets out to people, to those vulnerable people in rural areas that might not have internet. Um, and just um, extending the local food banks, um, asking for corporate donations, that kind of thing. So we are really seeing communities come together. It's just a shame that the circumstances are such. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I totally agree. Um, Ro, I don't know if you've noticed, because as I mentioned, Ro lives around the corner from us. Yeah. Um, it's exactly the same here, Alex. In Ro and I both live in the Bedminster area of Bristol. In fact, a week today since we moved in. <laughs> um, and the community is just has been fantastic. And, you know, if if one good thing comes out of it is that you know, people will realise that actually we all need to look after each other and maybe the Tories have screwed this one up. I think that's a really good point, though, because, you know, it's so I think you know, it is in the sense that, you know, people do need to look after each other and to try and set up a whole country in a society where it's like every man for himself is just completely like stupid and dangerous. Things like this, you know, it's kind of a warning shot. And, um, you know, we're obviously in the middle of it at the moment and it is really serious and there are like, real danger to life especially for vulnerable people but in some ways it, it could be it could be worse like I think, uh, not not that it's not bad now but it's a warning shot for what could happen in the crisis situation and you can see the effect even in one week on the food supply chain and the small businesses but even the large businesses who in turn like you know supermarkets and multiple retailers but they do buy from growers all over the world who have families and they're part of the local economy themselves so it's all connected and I just think that something like this comes along and you suddenly realize like how important it is that you have these little local networks and and how community and looking out for each other and that on a political level as well like we're we're all in this together and to separate us off into individuals and just isn't going to work I think in the future. I agree and I I think we should um, whenever the end of this or some of the dust settles we should be we should be pushing for system change i mean i know a lot of us have all been pushing for system change for a while but this has really highlighted some some tears in our social fabric and but also highlighted some of the amazing work too so a bit of knife and um sorry not knife i think what's the carrot and stick (laughs) knife and stick (laughs) it is that kind of it is that kind of paradox i guess as well though isn't it that it's it's only when we're kind of forced 
kind of to be on our own that we suddenly realize just how connected everything is, isn't it? Like that you're sitting in your house on your own, having to feed yourself and you're thinking suddenly I haven't thought as much about my neighbors as I have since I've been on my own, not spending any time with anyone. I'm kind of thinking, Oh, they're quite, they're on the older, older side. Are they okay? Are they feeling isolated? Is there kind of like anything that can be done? And we were, you know, thinking about that. And then we saw like neighbors, sons and daughters dropping food parcels off to their house. And it's kind of, it's, it's mad to think that you only kind of notice just how connected you are when you have to disconnect as well. I think, I don't know if anyone's seen pictures shared online of like the canals in Venice suddenly running clear for the first time in living memory. And it's amazing. You see these yeah. pictures and you can just see fish swimming through the canals and it's like, that nobody's seen that. They had dolphins yeah. today. And this idea of the number of flights that are grounded, the, the kind of, and actually we're all, doing okay without it it's like somehow it is it's hard to make the argument that we don't need or that we yeah. can't survive without these kind of trappings of modern it is actually a really interesting point isn't it because i think as much as coronavirus is is terrifying and scary and it is grounding a lot of how we function as a as a society the the climate benefits i've seen quite a lot online as you said ro the we're actually healing our planet a little bit during this process so i don't know it depends how long it goes on for but i think that you know that there, there are some things that are happening that are helping us even though in the grand scheme of things it's it's obviously a terrible time i think that um it will help when people realize what they can do together the things that they can achieve as communities because i sometimes i feel maybe before this they felt that they couldn't have an impact on these larger issues and and sometimes we're all told only don't focus on things you can't change um and this may show people that they can really achieve things when they when they come together and and stick by each other and stand up for things that they believe in so hopefully carrying that message forward to to future climate action will be will be beneficial I guess the other thing we have to remember is that actually here I am saying, oh, oh, wow, you know, there's been a few um, environmental benefits come out of the fact that their flights aren't happening and that people aren't driving their cars. But the point is, is that we shouldn't have had to come to a pandemic for the environmental stuff to be happening. We should have been doing that anyway. So um, as much as I could talk about this all night, I'm going to bring it back to food and drink. And um, Alex, what are you, what do your days look like at the moment now that you're not running the, the pop-ups and the, the events? Um, I've kind of given myself a sabbatical for the next two, three weeks. Um, got enough money in the bank to, to keep me in food and, and water. Um, so we are, or I am putting all my efforts into the community, um, with the new changes now with schools being closed in Wales as of Monday, um, the Welsh government has allocated schools in counties to stay open and act as community wellbeing hubs. So there's going to be an extension of, uh, local food banks, um, in towns and, and at schools and the local school to us has allocated a, an art room which they're going to run uh, the food bank from. So we're just going to make a big community push to to get donations in from corporate and and people like that and, and just manage the distribution of, 
of food to the those in most in need. Amazing. That's kind of the day to day at the minute. Amazing. Um, see what happens. See what happens when the dust settles. Yeah, I guess that's that's all we can do really. Do any of you have any? tips i guess whether it's um kind of advice for our listeners whether it's like from the perspective of of um cooking at home preserving your food at home or whether it's ways that you can support local food and drink businesses without actually being you know going into restaurants and doing all the things that we we can't do um you can all scramble and fight over who's going to answer this one first it's a difficult question i think i think for me the biggest thing that i've been trying to do Anyway, but this is the real kickstart into action. I mentioned the spreadsheet, but I think it's just to be organized. I think it's to take take stock of what you've got and to think about how best to kind of plan your eating to make the food you have stretch the longest. I mean, someone I I worked with work with um, was talking about how they'd managed to stock up on potatoes and pasta and rice, and then they came in with their lunch, which was some pasta with some jarred sauce. And I was saying, well, that's the stuff that's going to last the longest. Why are you eating that first? Mm. And he just hadn't thought about it at all. And I think, you know, in that kind of sense to think about focusing on eating the fresh stuff, yes, buy some tinned stuff. It's really good to have tinned food. I'm a big believer in tinned food, but that's the, the kind of thing that you want to have as the backup. And so to, I think to think about what food is going to go off the quickest is, is probably the way I would suggest mo- is moving forward. And, and I think in that sense, to really think about food waste, to not mm-hmm. to work harder than ever, not to waste a, a scrap. thing is, there's so much online now. You know, there are so many blogs, Gingy Bites. Um, there are so many blogs and recipes and things online and Riverford have some amazing recipes as well. Um, you know, there's so much you can do with food to avoid food waste, even things like making crisps out of your potato peelings. You know, I think you're right. People need to be clever about it. And I guess people who maybe eat out more often, you know, than us, um, all of us here obviously enjoy cooking and enjoy eating food that we've brought home with us as well as eating out. Um, I think I've seen quite a lot of people on Twitter where they're saying, oh, you know, my, my restaurants have shut, blah, blah, blah. I need to get on the takeaway front. But actually, this might be a time for people to to learn to cook <laughs> and yeah, make meals out of what they've got in the cupboards. Um, I think getting out in the garden and doing a bit of exercise is quite a, quite a good one. I think um, Dave and I have been working from home all week and it, the temptation to just eat snacks and, well, for me, crisps, because I am a crisp addict. As Ro will know, um, his partner and I both tried to give crisps up for Lent and actually she stuck to it. I failed on about day three Um, because I think people do you do. What do you guys think about um, how aware are people of what they can and can't do in self-isolation? So do you think that there are people who are not even leaving the house or do you think people know that they can go out and have walks and and just as long as they're being sensible and taking the precautions and not kind of walking in clusters do you think that the government has spread that message well enough um i personally think there's the lack of clarity um provided by by the government and obviously i understand things change very rapidly but i i worry that people i worry about people's mental health um I'm sure there are charities that are sort of working around the clock now to combat um, phone lines and things like that. But just to make people aware that 
if they haven't shown any symptom, symptoms and they're practicing um, social distancing, get out into the countryside, breathe some beautiful fresh air. Um, there's all the National Trust have just opened up all their parks and things like that for free of charge. So get out, get some fresh air. Great advice. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bit, that was quite blunt. No, 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 it's good. Um, I think you're right. We went out for a walk before work yesterday where we, we got up early and did a an hour's walk, almost like um, a pseudo commute, I guess. Uh, and it And it was really good. And we felt so much better because... As I mentioned earlier, Dave and I only just moved into our house a week ago today. So it's quite um, claustrophobic in the fact that we're sat at the dining table working with boxes of books and things that we haven't managed to unpack yet. So yeah, getting outside, I think is is really good advice. Is there anything specific that you would really like to talk about? Just to get behind people making the most of their time, you know, digging out old tins at backs of cupboards and, and have a play around with cooking and use cooking as, as a, as a tool for your, for your, for your mental health. Um, it's something that you can control. It's, it's relaxing. It's methodical. It can be creative. Um, yeah, let's just trying to hope that people come out the, the other end of this with some, some new skills and, and some new, enthusiasm for cooking and for food and growing vegetables and things like that sow some seeds and more ways than one <laughs> definitely well, well me, me and um nina were briefly chatting before the we started recording about um this idea that shakespeare wrote king lear when he was in quarantine from the plague and i i guess you never know maybe maybe out of out of uh, self-isolation and social distancing will come some fantastic new flavor combinations that no one had ever considered as they dug out some tin of something at the back and <laughs> smashed it into a tin, tin of something else. You know, we'll, uh, <laughs> we can go out there and make our own new discoveries. You never know. What kind of thing? We could have, um, I'm trying to think about some of the weirdest things that I've got in my cupboard and what they could potentially be together. So um, how about pudding rice and tuna? Mm. <laughs> that's a good one. That's, that's, that takes some <laughs> imagination. I have no idea why I even have pudding rice. And I the only reason I know is because obviously we just moved house and I packed up. We used to have this cupboard in my old kitchen. It was one of those awful corner cupboards with the weird kind of hinged weird door. And it went back forever and you used to have to just crawl right in to try and get all of whatever was in the back. Um, and so I had the joy last week of cleaning that cupboard of doom out and yeah, found I found all sorts of weird stuff. So yeah, watch this space for, for weird combos coming from, from Bedminster. I love this. I love um, what Alex was just saying, the idea that people will be, it's almost a return to to basics, isn't it? That people are going to hopefully have a bash at making their own pasta and making their own bread and making their own stock. And just really, it's almost, I didn't want to bring this up because I've seen a lot of it Um and it's quite frankly irritating, but almost like that wartime spirit. Oh God! Yeah, I think I think it's annoying because there are a lot of boomers that are using it as a way of saying, "Oh, I'm still going to go to the pub and I'm still going to go out and drink because we can beat this." And actually, that's not how this virus works. I think I think at the same time though, it can be 
I guess what we're calling on is that sense of resourcefulness, isn't it? And that community that if, mm-hmm. that when humans are pushed to difficult places, we, we can respond and we can be creative and we can be caring and kind to other people and we can pull through. I think it, it's right that a lot of references to the war can be quite kind of trite and yeah. wrapped up in all kinds of jingoism, but at, at its heart, there are still very a lot of inspiring stories that you can take heart from, I think, in times like this when it comes to food and 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 making do with what you've got. Yeah, same, yeah. same. It reminds me, actually, I, I, yeah, when I was in um, a supermarket the other day, I noticed in one of the tinned food, food aisles, it was completely bare, but there were still like 20 tins of the kind of tinned full English breakfasts left. And it just gave me a bit of heart that people still had that. weren't going to stay quite that low. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's still some taste in the world. <laughs> There's a, there's a place here in Bedminster called Total Asia. Uh, it's on an industrial estate and it's quite hard to find, but we discovered it a few months ago, thanks to our friends. And we actually went earlier this week and got a big bag of rice and got a box of um, Shinramian noodles, which if anyone follows me on Gingy Bites will know that I eat at least four, let's be honest, seven days a week. They also have a lot of fresh stuff there. So this is the most important message that we can get out there is to support your local green grocers, to support your Asian supermarkets and to just support the the independent businesses. And yeah, Sainsbury's might have run out of bog roll and, and pasta, but the corner shop may well have some. Definitely. And I think on top of that, just I've I've often said for years that the best thing anyone can do if they want to expand their cooking is go to an Asian supermarket and just the range of ingredients that they've got. So are so different from what you're used to that, you know, maybe we're talking about pairing odd things, maybe putting rice and stick that with some preserved mustard root and miso paste. You never know what you could come up with to bring in some interesting new flavors, you know? Sounds pretty good. I have to say, um, I've really enjoyed this chat. So thank you so much guys for joining me. Um, I will be back probably tomorrow or the next day with my next batch. I've got some chefs and a food writer and a few other people who are going to come and essentially repeat this process all over again. Um, all I want to say to finish off is remember to wash your hands, stay at home as much as you can. If you're feeling isolated, look on Facebook, find your local support group. We're in one that we um, have a WhatsApp group here where we're all helping each other. Um, Mutual aid is a really important thing right now. And I think that the more that we all help each other, the easier this situation will be. So thanks, Ro, Alex and Nina for joining me. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And until next time, uh, it's over and out. 